Hello everyone and welcome to Thrive Podcast. I'm your host Hannah Edwards. Now I'm just your average health and fitness enthusiast with a passion to learn as much as I can about the mind and body and hopefully educate some of you guys listening too. In this podcast we'll bring you episodes with many inspirational guests. We'll give you an insight into the lives of these influencers, their struggles, their successes and how they got to where they are today. With the help of my guests we will give you insights into subjects such as mental health, fitness, personal development, mindset and so much more. Now let's find out how you can thrive in your life too. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 9 of the Thrive Podcast. Today we are joined by the lovely Alice Wern, otherwise known as the Body Psychology on Social Media. Now Alice is a fitness-based coach in Hampshire who studied a Masters in Exercise Psychology and specifically in bodybuilding. Today we'll be discussing the ever-growing dangers of the bodybuilding dysmorphia and how it can develop in men and women. We also get into the psychological damages that that dieting can have on your mind, not just during but after a diet too. Alice talks about the importance of self-worth when it comes to body image and how negativity can, will lead you nowhere. She also discusses how social media in the Western society can really affect the, how you feel about your body image growing up. Finally, Alice also talks about her about how to achieve not only a strong body but a strong mind too. She gives her insight into the truths of dieting and how she personally learned over the years to control the negative pathways in her mind when dealing with lack of motivation, post-show blues and so much more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Okay. Hey, Alice, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. It's such a pleasure to be speaking to you. Um, so as usual, before we start, can you tell the listeners a bit about you and kind of what you do for a living? Okay, so my name is Alice, as you said. Um, I'm 25 years old, and I currently work at Surrey Sports Park in Guildford, which is the gym in the University of Surrey. So I'm actually the health and fitness coordinator there. So I kind of do all the studio classes there. I run all the course, well, I, t- I coordinate all the courses put on there. Um, and that kind of came from, I was a health and fitness manager for a corporate company for two years. And that kind of came about, I started there part-time when I was doing my master's for my sport and exercise psychology degree. Mm-hmm. And um, as many people kind of know, is when you come out of uni, you try and find a job and then panic that there's no jobs going (laughs) so um yeah that kind of landed into like fell into my lap at the right time um but yeah so that's what I do as a job now um I am like personal training like one-to-one clients is it more kind of group based so I used when I was manager I used to do personal training and I did that for a few years and um i kind of wanted to go into a bit more behind the scenes after that Mm. um i'm not quite sure now because now i'm thinking that i love personal training after (laughs) i've given it up um but yeah i did that alongside um managing as well yeah um which i found so rewarding but i did find it quite hard because i was in a corporate company so it was kind of the middle-aged people that it just wasn't my kind of demographic that I wanted to work on um so I might go back into it later Mm -hmm. on but at the moment this takes up quite a lot of my time I can imagine yeah so you you, um, studied psychology at university 
Can you tell the listeners kind of what that entails a bit about that? Because I know it's so, so important and people mm. don't kind of know the importance of it. Can you kind of kind of get into why you studied, chose to study that? Okay, so yeah, I did a undergraduate with sport and exercise psychology. And then from my first year, I kind of decided to go straight in, like I wanted to do a master's mm. from, from the very first year. Um, so um, with psychology, it's a massive broad topic whereas I focused on yeah, sport and exercise and um, mostly exercise psychology mm-hmm. so behind that I looked into body image disorders um, exercise dependence but then I also looked at the kind of um, sedentary level okay. so trying to create the habits that will instill those behaviors in creating um, kind of instilling good habits um why people continue exercising um things like that so it's i think i did a post about it today it's about all about adherence to exercise so it's just looking at that the psychology of it because you can put in the best diet plan but as long as as long as uh, you're psychologically not sound with it you're never going to stick to it so it was kind of looking into that as well so what do you think the importance of having a good psychological relationship with food um, like around food is with exercise and wanting to like reach your goals and stuff like that. So I think it's a massive topic, but um, the thing about having a good psychological um, relationship is enjoyment rather than punishment. Mm-hmm. So being able to kind of go out for a meal with your family, your loved ones, and not having that kind of guilt over you. And not having to burn it off the next day. And I think what a woman suffer with is they have that kind of guilt of once they eat something or they go out, they're like, right, I need to punish myself for the rest of the week now because I didn't deserve to have that meal or I shouldn't be having that meal. Yeah. And it's just always kind of like just justifying it. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, but I've done this and this, so I get to reward myself with this. Yeah. So that's ne- never a good relationship. And so that's with food is not punishing yourself over having that food and just enjoying the moment mm. and not it justifying any way but also with exercise it's having that ability to go into the gym and enjoy what you're doing mm-hmm. and use that time to make yourself better because you love yourself not to like because you hate yourself yeah i know exactly what you mean um and it's not like oh i need to work on this because i don't like this it's mm-hmm. more creating that environment where I'm doing this because I want to be healthy um and I want to be able to do this I want to live a life a long life um and then it's also having that ability to skip the gym if you want to Mm -hmm. and again not justifying it saying oh you know I'm exhausted I've done this and this so I can skip it I'll go five times the next week. Exactly. And okay, I'll make the next session really hard. Mm -hmm. And just going in saying, okay, I'm not feeling great today. I'm just going to stretch or I'm just going to have a light workout or I'm just going to do biceps for guys Mm -hmm. or something like that. It's like never ending though, because even if you say that, like some people think, I I know I used to be like, okay, I won't have a good session today. So I won't eat as much as I get when I get home. Mm. I don't need that food. And it's just kind of putting a bad relationship around food. And what do you think this kind of stems from? Why do we get this? Why do we have these thoughts? Is it something that we get growing up? And I see it a lot more in women than I do men. I don't know if men just don't talk about it or why. Yeah. why do you think it, what do you think it stems from? 
I think it just comes from like the Western culture is that we're just learned to hate our bodies. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I kind of grew up a swimmer and I was always in a swimming costume and I just didn't give a crap what my body looked like. Yeah. And then I kind of got more into the fitness industry. Um, and I remember having a friend who was just completely always going over, I hate this, I hate this about myself, I hate this about myself. Mm-hmm. So I almost felt like, oh God, I feel okay with how I look. Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's always like that is when a woman compliments another woman, they're like, oh no, I don't. And you're never instilled as a young age to accept that compliment. Yeah. Because if you're told like, thank you, I, I think I am beautiful. If someone will say, they're like, well, you're a bit confident. Yeah. It's like you shouldn't say that you're accepting it. Like, so you shouldn't accept yeah. it. Yeah. I think that comes from... A lot of it comes from school as well, I think, growing mm. up, who you hang around with, um, like what your parents are like. It comes, I think it, because when you're younger, you soak up so much, you soak up everything. You kind mm. of everything. So I think it does stem from a lot of what you kind of listen to growing up as well. Yeah, because I remember, I can't remember where I was, but I, I think I was in a gym um, back at where my parents live, and there was this young, young girl, and she was with her parents, her, with her mum. And she was teaching her, okay, you need to do this to make yourself have a flat stomach. This kid was only 10. She didn't care if she had a flat stomach or anything. So it Mm. is kind of, it does stem from the environment that you've been in. Mm. Is if your mum's always grown up, well, you've grown up with your mum kind of going on the Atkins diet and all those Mm. kind of fads that were happening when we were kids. Without you kind of, it kind of instills in your mind. Yeah. Mm. And I think it is kind of, the your way your self-worth lives so if your self-worth lies in external mm-hmm. you're gonna be more susceptible to kind of those negative thoughts that people put in your mind yeah and okay maybe I shouldn't have be like confident in myself or maybe I should hate this and it's you're more susceptible to what other people think as well mm. yeah definitely so how difficult is it to change your psychological thoughts around food? Is it, is it difficult? Is it something that you can do just like that? Or is it something that kind of takes time to kind of reprogram your mind? I think it depends how deep the thoughts are instilled. Yeah. So um, obviously it gets worse and worse like, as long as it goes. And some people become like anorexic and you've got eating disorder and everything. So that way it can take years to reprogram but it depends on kind of your environment and what you um, open yourself up to. So if you are constantly on social media and you're constantly just scrolling through all of these pictures of thin females and girls that have better delts than you or whatever, then you're obviously never going to reprogram your thoughts. And so you need to kind of figure out where your actual self-worth lies. You need to, reprogram that with okay what else is going for me not just my external appearance Mm -hmm. it's more about okay I'm a good girlfriend um my self-worth lies in being a good daughter I'm a good friend Mm -hmm. um and just I'm good at what I do in my work yeah make other things a priority I think just the way yeah and I think we just place so much importance on our appearance Mm. like every day without even meaning to 
and that, so, and, and a lot of people don't actually care. It's kind yeah. of care more than anything else. Yeah, definitely. And so if what I get is when people are like, oh, I just need to lose a couple more pounds. Mm-hmm. Who is going to notice that a couple of pounds apart from you? And you're probably not even going to realize it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is that people have such a drive to get to a certain weight or whatever. And I'm just like, but why? Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's, yeah, that's going off the topic. But mm-hmm. um, it, I think it just depends on how willing people are to change as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and how much they want to change as well. Yeah, uh, that comes with kind of leading a healthy lifestyle as well, is when people can't stick to a diet. Well, how willing are you to actually keep to that diet? It's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're always going to be programmed to have these kind of thoughts. I think it's just in our nature. Yeah. And especially when we have all this social media around us. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I'm still susceptible to looking through um pictures and being like oh I'm up against her yeah she yeah. looks better than me what do I need to do and it's it's just it's always going to be there if social media is going to be there mm-hmm. yeah um but we can kind of dial it down to place our self-worth on other areas in our life I think yeah and you can change how much it affects you and you can choose you can literally mm. choose how much it affects you and just from what you actually look at yeah and it is kind of thinking to yourself just reprogramming like why is this bothering me yeah and then it kind of always stems from somewhere else it's like um if someone is single maybe they just want the attraction and the feedback the positive feedback to make them feel good Mm -hmm. um maybe in a relationship it's getting that feedback from your significant other yeah or if there is just some other underlying reason why you're wanting to be that way and when you kind of actually figure out okay, there, there isn't that much importance on being, like, looking that a certain way. Yeah. It starts to fizzle out a little bit, I think. Yeah. And the importance goes somewhere else. Mm, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to get into a topic which is kind of very common in the fitness industry, um, and that's something called bodybuilding dysmorphia. So basically when people – it's like anorexia kind of in reverse. So people, the assumption is that people physically feel inadequate – like they feel smaller than they actually are, like women feel fat, and then I guess men kind of feel smaller than they actually are. Can you give your views on this and like why is this such a psychological problem and why do we get this problem, do you think? So I think, yeah, body dysmorphia has come out a lot more recently, yeah. um, especially muscular dys- dysmorphia in yeah. men. Yeah. Um, and I think it has just come about with feelings of inadequacy when you kind of look at social media and you look at people around you in like social situations, um, I think when people place so much emphasis on their external appearance, they can kind of experience blind spots, um, which is like, they're not aware of these physical changes that are actually occurring in their body. Cause you look at yourself every day. Yeah, exactly. And so you can't see that your waist is shrinking or your biceps are getting bigger whatever it is that you're kind of focusing on mm. so it's kind of you just lead to a negative perception of your physique mm. um i think it is kind of just the the body and the mood kind of get entwined a little bit mm. so you get so caught up with looking at your body every single day and your mood then starts having what well, your body affects how you more your mood is that day Mm-hmm. And it just gets worse and worse. So if you're having a good day, 
positive like body image wise then you have a positive day and you're feeling in a good mood mm. but I don't know if you ever this like have a bad body image day and your mood is just crap I mean, for the next couple of hours or day yeah you're like oh shit yeah so I, th- I think it is with like the increasing amount of like competing mm-hmm. that it's getting worse like the body dysmorphia is that now now people think that the people that step on stage are the average joe they're like okay i'm having to look like that um and so it's like pushing the kind of the norm up and up Mm -hmm. and so more people are competing so it's more the average person and then people will look at it and they're like oh i'm not i'm not looking like that i need to look like that and they kind of compare themselves with these stage ready people which is obviously not achievable yeah and they don't look like that 100 of the time no definitely not i don't even look like that most of the time (laughs) like only that one day and i'm one on stage so it's i think it is that kind of it's you you have this goal in sight um of i want to have this kind of these glutes these delta shoulders but when you get there you just extend it further yeah exactly it's like and the goal moves yeah it just gets the goal gets just pushed further and further outward and you can ne- you just never achieve you never achieve it and sometimes before you even reach that goal that you had in the first place your goal your goal moves even more mm. so you're never actually going to reach it and you're never going to feel like adequate because you never actually you're pushing that goal further and further yeah more. It's just like you're never going to reach it. Yeah. So I think you just become like more ambitious in your goals. So you kind of achieve a certain amount and then you're like, oh, great. I achieved that. So now I can achieve a bit more. Yeah. And I think I got that when I kind of lost a lot of weight to begin with Mm -hmm. is that I would come home from uni and I'd lost a certain amount of weight and I'd get like um, positive feedback. Oh, you've lost this amount of weight. Mm -hmm. So I was like, great. I can lose this weight. I can lose more weight and it just kind of you receive positive affirmations about it and then it just gets deeper and deeper and it gets like that the other way with guys as well mm-hmm. so oh I've got I've got this big so I can get bigger now yeah so it's always pushing that outwards yeah, yeah and I think it comes also almost into an obsession um, mm. you get obsessed with either losing weight or you get obsessed with a certain goal and then you just make it make it harder and harder, like you said. Mm. Yeah, and I think there is like a fine line with obsession and having it as like a hobby. Yeah, and I think when it turns into obsession, is that it kind of starts. Um, well, it starts into like just a hobby, mm. but it is connected with the amount of stress and the impairment that it causes in your life yeah um is when it kind of turns into a, an obsession mm-hmm. so when it's like you're causing like avoidance in other aspects of your life yeah and it starts significantly like impairing like the things around you then it starts becoming like disordered i think i think bodybuilding itself is is very it's like you have to focus on what you, it's all about what you look that's what bodybuilding mm. is it's, there's in the gym there's mirrors everywhere it's all about how you look you never yeah. gym and not looking at yourself so it's it's never a moment in that day where in the gym or to do with exercise where you're not looking at yourself or judging yourself. And I think mm-hmm. it, if you're not, if you're not like mentally strong enough to cope with that, then that can be very, that can just lead to negative effects as well. 
Yeah, definitely. And that kind of comes back to um, with females and even guys yeah. that if you're more susceptible to the kind of pictures on social media, that can really affect your self-worth. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think the importance is of conditioning your mind before you, before someone starts a diet or before they start competing? What is, how do they kind of get their mind in the right place to start a competition prep or start a diet or something like that? So I actually, I, I kind of sung about this until the cows come home, mm. is because before I started competing, I had a year that I, I tried dieting down for a competition. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of, I'd suffered from kind of an eating disorder. I wouldn't say it was full-blown anorexia, but I'd kind of really, uh, I'd kind of gone back to normal, gained a load of weight, and I thought I was really healthy in my mind. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start dieting down. And I got to about a month in, I was like, no, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. So then I went away put on weight again and trying to work to myself mm-hmm. and went back into dieting and like okay, this last year I was successful with it mm-hmm. so I kind of came out with five points five six points um that you kind of need to condition your mind or um before you diet down mm-hmm. I think one is you need to be far from food focused mm-hmm. so um you can't go into a diet fresh saying oh like I'm going to scroll through all these burgers. Oh my God, I really crave this, really crave this. I need to eat this time. Um, You just need to kind of, you probably will end up like that, but going into a prep or a diet, you can't be just focusing on food all the time. Just get worse and worse, isn't it? Yeah. You get more hungry and you have less food to play with. Definitely. And it's like those people that go into a diet like three days in, they're like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. I want food all the time. That, that comes weeks in. <laughs> yeah. So if you're thinking that kind of a few days in, then it's not going to be successful. No, and you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. No, definitely not. Um, um, like the second point is I think you need to have a solid self-worth. So again, where does your self-worth lie? Does it lie within how you look or, or does your body and how it looks like define how you feel that way, like that day? Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling like that as you go in, then it's just going to get worse during prep. Yeah. So you need to kind of have all of these external or these internal places that you get self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you come out of a prep, then it's, that is going to get a whole lot worse. And mm-hmm. then you're kind of not going to want to gain weight afterwards when you really need to. Yeah. So having, being able to see that shredded self, um, and then having to gain weight after that is just never going to happen like without any psychological issues. Yeah. Um, then I think you need to be thick skinned, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're prepping and maybe not so much if you're just going on a regular diet, but if your goal is to step on stage to be judged, yeah. then you need to be thick skinned about what you're going to be judged on. And they're not going to be kind. And not, and not to care if you don't get a good place. Like you don't, you shouldn't do mm-hmm. it just for like the first place, especially if it's like your first time competing. You should do it because mm. of the experience of it. Yeah, and that's like another one of my points is that um, you can't be going into it just to win a trophy or get more likes on Instagram or get a sponsor or yeah. be part of BPI or something like that. <laughs> um (laughs) but you need to do it because 
you have a drive you have a love for that sport you want to improve yourself um you want to see how far you can take yourself not just to get a few more followers or you want to get some clients out of it I mean, the main reason is, it's like, if, if you did this diet and there was no competition at the end, would you still do it? And, mm. if, and if your answer is probably not, I wouldn't, because I just want to step on stage in a bikini, then you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Yeah. And it's definitely not financially acceptable just to do it, to get on stage where you don't win any money. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not even that sort of, you don't, like, anybody, like, just, like, doing it first time, you don't win anything, do you, really, nowadays? No, no, the, the amount of debt that I'm in for <laughs> competing yeah. so yeah and that's like one of my last points is that you have to be in a good place financially mm-hmm. I think to compete um financially and um have like a solid life stability yeah so you've got to have a good amount of social support around you mm-hmm. even if you're just dieting for a holiday if you're just dieting by the general population or in prep is you need to have people around you that are like, okay, come on, I know it's hard, but keep them going. Yeah. Um, not saying, oh, like you're looking good. Why don't you just have this and yeah. justify, oh, like, not gonna make what's the point? Yeah. Um, and this is what I find is that there's the people that kind of go out of the way and help you with anything, um, or just accept that you're gonna be grumpy and hungry and can try and make your life easier and then there's the people that are just like oh why the hell are you doing this anyway yeah so I think that is one of the last things is that you just need to have that support around you and also not have a huge amount of stress on in other areas of your life yeah because that is just gonna make things so much worse and you won't be great when you're in when your body's in a stressful environment no and I I've definitely been firsthand with that is that I had a massive deadline before uh, a couple of days before my first show of the season and my body just held onto water like a bitch and then as soon as like I kind of stopped stressing it just all went Mm -hmm. um so yeah you definitely can't be stressed but you also just can't be thinking about your diet or whatever when you're at work and vice versa Mm -hmm. is that your work-life balance will be completely out of work yeah and work will suffer and also your friends will suffer through it as well mm-hmm. yeah. so. so for people listening that haven't competed or are thinking about competing can you just go into kind of like how how costly it is because I know a lot of people are thinking oh I bet it's not that much you just have to buy a bikini and what are they yeah. like the actual costs of doing it so try and break it down if you want to do it kind of properly um and you want to coach mm-hmm. so my coach is probably about 150 170 a month wow okay. um and this is kind of a coach that i trust and i kind of rely on during the last couple of weeks so it's it's pretty important to if you want to do it properly and you're kind of new to the scene mm-hmm. to have a coach to keep you accountable and keep you sane so that's yeah monthly then the bikini I've spent up to about 400 pounds but you can spend more yeah. and I was a typical girl and was like oh I'll get another bikini for my next show um then you've got the heels you've got the makeup you've got um which are probably another 200 with all the hair makeup tan yeah um you've got entry fees so I know that UKBFF 
are now just doing four-year memberships, which have gone up to £80. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, then there's just kind of travel if you need to. So I went out to Newcastle for my first season, my first show of the season. And that included like hotel. So that was another probably like 300 quid. So it racks up into the four digits quite easily. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can yeah. imagine. Jeez. You definitely <laughs> ready for that. I know. So yeah, that's it. It's, it's, it's costly. Yeah. And, and so you're doing you it for can't. When you love it, then it's kind of, you can't really put a price yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'm kind of one of these people that I don't like to spend a load of money on clothes or going out. Um, pretty much my bank account is a receipt of what I've eaten. Uh, so um, it's nice just to have slightly spend money on experiences rather than exactly, yeah. these things. So I think it's all about the experience. And so you might as well do it well. Yeah. So, um, so I wanted to talk about kind of post-show and post diet and stuff like that, a lot of people find it hard to get mentally back to where they are. Um, and quite, I think quite a lot of people, girls are kind of extremes that either restrict themselves post-show and they won't allow themselves anything, or they'll just kind of go all out and binge and yeah. put so much weight on. And then in a way that's worse because then their body image is gonna be even worse. Do you think that social media affects this at all? And how do you, how do you think people can psychologically deal post-show? What's the best thing to do? So I think social media has got um kind of a reason behind why people like rebound so badly mm. but I think it is um mainly what I found is that I I researched loads before it and I did my dissertation mm -hmm. on bodybuilding yeah um so I followed um a case study through it and knew what was coming up but you don't realize yourself what's happening so yeah. It's not just the rebounding with uh, food, but you also kind of have these feelings of like depression and loss. So um, I know I've been prepping now since the end of January. So that's six, seven months. Wow. And I've been going towards this goal. And just to have that goal taken from your life mm -hmm. and you don't have anything to work towards, it is kind of, you've lost something. Mm -hmm. um, and so last year, I kind of didn't know what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. I was just feeling like really empty, really sad. And it was only a few weeks later that I realized that I just didn't have any goals to work towards. Mm -hmm. So I think anyone even without social media um, would, would have like effects of suffering after a competition, but definitely social media makes it worse because I know there's, it's like the norm now to cheat after your first competition yeah. and just, go absolutely mental and it's kind of like this boasting of oh yeah. I ate this for my post-show I ate this for my post-show and it's just kind of gorging and you yeah. you kind of win the award for feeling the most sick and your food baby and all that kind of stuff yeah um so I think that's it and then on the other extreme there's the people that are like, oh, I didn't binge at all. I look like this after my show and yeah. I'm going straight back to the grind and yeah. filming them doing cardio the next day. So it's yeah. a complete extreme now. Mm -hmm. But I think what it comes down to is, again, just like researching beforehand what post-show entails. Um, so I know that like everyone kind of posts about during show and then they just go AWOL 
straight after their competition and all mm-hmm. there is is just pictures of food and no one really talks about it. I think you need a um, well. Yeah, so um, I know that Team 3DMJ have done a load of work on like the recovery diet mm-hmm. and what happens post-show, but apart from then, it's not really talked about. Mm-hmm. So I think what if you have a coach, um, what my coach did was he Skype he's got me like the week before my competition he was like look this is our plan what we're gonna do after our competition um and he said okay we're gonna bump up your calories quite high to start with you're not in any um place to kind of keep your weight as it is he was like we need to gain some fat on you then we're gonna gradually build up from there um and then he was like this is how you're gonna feel um, so it's all about having a good coach that doesn't just leave you after that competition prep. Mm-hmm. So I know there's loads of people that do deals like, oh, a 12 week prep. And then it just finishes as soon as you get off stage. Yeah. So it's finding that good coach to tell you what is going to happen if you're new to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, again, um, about having that support around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're feeling really crappy, like really crappy one day, they can just be there to support you through it and just talking about it makes the world of difference Mm -hmm. so just having those people around you makes it so much better Mm -hmm. um and the third thing I think is having a goal straight away that isn't aesthetically driven yeah so as soon as I got off stage I knew that in my off season I wanted to hit a 140 kilogram hip thrust I wanted to get up to 100 kilogram like reps for dead like for deadlifts mm-hmm. and I was just I wanted to do my pull-ups like as many as can yeah. these things that aren't focused on how good you look yeah um so and even it doesn't even need to be like in the gym it could be completely something else like I want to learn the piano or something like that yeah. just that it you have this kind of goal to work towards but it's not how you look yeah how did you mentally deal with like putting the weight on? I know that you, you obviously had a different hobby that like, you worked on like reps in the gym and getting mm-hmm. weight with your um, exercises. How did you mentally deal with like looking in the mirror and seeing yourself put on weight and not being that lean anymore? Did, I did think you suffer or not really the second time around? Um, so I think to a point I accepted it that I needed to gain weight. I, kind of at the end of it I didn't really like how I looked that skinny mm-hmm. um and when I started prep I had a, a quite large bum and I just lost it all through all this cardio yeah. and I realized that my bum was just fat and there wasn't any muscle behind it mm-hmm. um so I lost all of that and I just hated it and I felt so self-conscious so I was kind of really glad to start building that and just like working on next like the next um show like the next year but it I did get to a stage that it was difficult and I went on holiday probably like six weeks after and my body still wasn't used to the food and I bloated and I felt like a whale on the beach Mm. um but I think you just need to accept that you're going to feel these like these feelings but there's a reason why you're doing it um and I knew that I wanted to be better on stage the next year mm-hmm. so I knew that I had to put on weight I had to gain some muscle and fat was going to come from that 
so it is just kind of telling yourself the reason why you're doing it um and I think it was being in kind of a stable relationship that I was kind of I accepted he was going through the same thing as well because he just finished his show um and so we got fat together (laughs) it was great (laughs) and it was also being able to enjoy your social situations as well yeah so you've been removed for so long not being able to go out for like food with your family not having a date night or anything so Mm. it was being able to enjoy just going for like food with my sister which I hadn't been able to do so it's Mm. kind of getting those positives and focusing on those positives rather than always focusing on oh no I don't have my abs oh no I don't have shredded back anymore um rather than okay I've got some fat on my back but now I can lift a ton more um okay I might not have abs but I really enjoyed my date night last night so it's all about yeah focusing on those positives Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so what um, made you personally want to compete in the first place? Was it someone that you kind of looked up to and you saw, you saw them compete? Like how did you kind of firstly get into it and what made you want to do it? So I probably should have said this at the beginning, but I did a dissertation in bodybuilding psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in 2014, I think, 2013, 2014, I followed um, my then best friend through his bodybuilding prep. So he competed in natural bodybuilding in natural uh, in BMBF, mm-hmm. and I went from the very start with him, all to towards the end, and then into his next show because he um, competed in the finals, um, and I was just kind of hooked on his drive and everything had been focused on like the negatives of bodybuilding, but I found out so much that he his drive increased, um, his work ethics. Um, so it was all like the mental side not the physical that had I had been impressed at so I kind of really wanted to compete after that but I at that point was kind of disordered in my thinking of eating and exercise so I was also um, a very like low weight I think I was like 45 kilograms Um, yeah so I needed to build some muscle and I needed to kind of um, make my relationship with food and exercise better before I even thought about it. Mm-hmm. So I went from 45 kilograms to 65 kilograms. Uh-huh. In what yeah. space? Um, I think probably about a year. So not even a year. Um, and I got hella strong. Yeah. Okay. And I just focused on powerlifting um, and kind of forgot about bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, I then slit, I had a bulging disc in my lower back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I then got sciatica and had to give up powerlifting and so I thought kind of about going back into bodybuilding and that was when I met my current boyfriend who was competing in UK BFF and I was like right that's it I want to try and uh, that's how I kind of got into it is that I always wanted to do it just because I saw that drive in my friend and all the research that came out of it and I'd sort of lost my drive after I got injured from powerlifting. And I've always been competitive from my, I used to be a swimmer and I just lost it. Yeah. And so I just wanted to have that drive and that motive um, just to push myself mm-hmm. and to see what I was capable of um, and to see what uh, quite a lot of people can't do yeah. with like the willpower and the drive to do that. 
Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my motive yeah, to do that. So I know that you said like having a mo- having goals and stuff post show is really good. Do you ever suffer with like lack of motivation? And how do you kind of deal with your motivation? Like not even just like just post show. Sometimes I think you get to a certain point where your kind of your lifts aren't increasing. Like you're not seeing much progress anymore as fast as you were. Do you ever suffer with like motivation in the gym or with? with oh yeah. yeah, yeah, massively. Um, especially being on such a long prep this year. Is yeah, how long have you been on prep now? Um, so I started prep on the 25th of January. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my first competition was in 20th of May. Uh, so I dieted down for 17 weeks. I then went on a little bit of a diet break, yeah. which wasn't that much of a diet break. Um, I kind of increased my calories by about 300 ca- um, calories because it was my sister's wedding. So I wanted to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And I started prep again last week. Um, my next competition is at 13th of August, so it's going to be quite a long season for me. And I hope to go towards uh, the end of October oh, wow. if I get into finals. Yeah. So, yeah, um, there's definitely been times that I've lacked motivation. Mm-hmm. And I kind of found this in my actual um, research that there's a five week curse. Um, so, five weeks out, you're still not looking as good as you think, and you're just kind of thinking, crap I'm not going to make it I'm not going to make it I'm just going to give up I'm going to give up um and every single one of my shows I felt that and this week it was five weeks out and I've lost kind of well last weekend I lost motivation mm-hmm. um and I was like to hell it I can't be bothered I don't want to do it I just want to eat yeah um but then you kind of have to remind yourself how far you've come mm-hmm. and how like how much you've changed in that time and how much you can change in five weeks and why you're doing that yeah so yeah there's definitely been times but the way that I get my motivation is kind of yeah at the end of the day reminding myself why I'm actually doing this mm-hmm. um why am I putting myself through it so there's other people that kind of act like they've got a gun to their head saying oh my god I have to eat mm-hmm. like chicken and broccoli or whatever and oh I can't heat any carbs or I'm having to do cardio it's your choice at the end of the day no one's making you do it Mm -hmm. um and that's the whole point with bodybuilding is that you're pushing yourself to the extremes to get an extreme look yeah so yeah you have to find the reasons why and that's it with any diet Mm-hmm. is that why are you doing this at the end of the day you can just walk out of the gym no one's stopping you yeah and you have to enjoy it as well mm-hmm. so um I kind of like to log my workouts and try and progress from that yeah so it's just having that enjoyment of right I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself better than last time mm-hmm. um that's kind of what motivates me as well yeah and it does help having like living with someone that has so much motivation I don't understand where he gets it from so when he's there absolutely killing his workout then I kind of I feel that motivation from him yeah um so again it always comes around to like the environment that you're in as well if there's people constantly being like oh I really can't be bothered then you're like oh yeah no neither can I but if there's someone being like yeah right let's go let's do this put some some blaring music in the car then you're like okay let's go yeah it definitely definitely that definitely mm-hmm. 
So to end the podcast, I'd like to end with the kind of same question. And that is kind of what is your best habit that you have and what's a, a bad habit that you have that you do every day that you shouldn't really do, but you do sort of thing. Um, so I think a good habit that I tried to instill over my off season was um, journaling. Uh, and I never thought that I'd be one of these people that's like into the woo woo gratitude stuff Mm -hmm. but um, I think it's really helped with um, putting everything into perspective Mm -hmm. is in the morning just thinking of like three things that I'm grateful for Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're having a really crap day it can be anything little like um I made my oats really perfect today they were amazing Mm -hmm. um or okay the weather's nice I had a good sleep these like tiny little things yeah um that kind of set you off on a high note Mm -hmm. um and then at the end of the day thinking of what's gone right in the day Mm -hmm. because especially when you're stressed at work uh all you can think about is oh god this went wrong this went wrong but no Mm -hmm. one ever thinks about what went right in the day exactly and if you said to someone what did you do that was good luck yesterday no one can think of it so it's always nice writing that down mm-hmm. um so I've tried and steal that I don't do it every day I must admit but I try to do it as much as I can remember mm-hmm. um and that's kind of and also journaling helps with just letting out any steam mm-hmm. um and I'm kind of one of these people probably goes into my bad habit but I keep things to myself quite a lot yeah um I think it's the thing every I think it's just British people is mm-hmm. that we keep everything in because we don't want to look weak exactly. and we're just oh just I can face this all by myself um so yeah it's definitely helped with just letting stuff out that you don't necessarily want to like talk to anyone else or share a bend but yeah I think that's my bad habit is I do let things like bottle up yeah but my also um I'm such a perfectionist and I've wrote a blog about this is that um perfectionism is something that we don't talk about and um I kind of get really really caught up in the tiny little things the details that didn't go quite well and your face um, yeah so um it comes into trying to get that instant like habit of writing things down like writing things that you're grateful for mm-hmm. and not getting so caught up in the tiny little things in life that just don't matter at the end of the day um so yeah that's my good and bad habit (laughs) well thank you so much for coming on before we um end the podcast can you just tell everybody where they can find you on social media um and talk to you if they have any questions yeah so um my instagram is the body psychology so um i kind of made this after my master's um to try and put out some more psychology content Mm kind of got lost in the middle of just like food recipes and things like that (laughs) but um I'm trying to put out more content now um Mm -hmm. so I kind of put out content of rotating around psychology um then exercise tips and and then the good old recipe for good measure yeah um so yeah that's the body psychology and then my blog which I haven't been able to put on that much recently because my computer decided to die but that's just the bodypsychology.com Mm-hmm. and so I pretty much last prep I put out pretty much weekly content of things that were going on mm-hmm. so if anyone wants to look into more of that um, I've got loads of stuff on kind of week by week what 
what I found difficult and how to mitigate that kind of thing and a lot more about pre and post show wow those are the two things that's awesome so thank you so much for coming on and I hope that you enjoyed coming speaking to me it's been great thank you very much this is the feedback I received on my last podcast I still can't quite believe it as you know, I'll be posting all my podcasts on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, which is just Thrive by Hannah Felicity, and on my blog too, which is hannahfelicity.com. If you like this podcast, please give it a review on iTunes, follow me on YouTube, because um, any feedback is greatly appreciated. Also, if anyone has any ideas of content they would like to hear in the future, please drop me a message um, on my email at hannah.felicity at gmail.com or on my Instagram at hannah underscore felicity underscore Edwards. Thanks again for listening.